welcome everyone. This is now another exciting episode of the Army of Smartness podcast. I am your co-host Ryan, and with me as always, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Mr. JD. JD, how you be? Well, you know, sometimes I think it's the sin when I feel like I'm winning when I'm losing again. R.I.P. to Gordon Lightfoot right off the top of the show here. You don't know who that is, but don't worry about it. He's, he, he was good. He's, he's a national treasure. Not of this nation, but uh, of our northern neighbors there uh, in Canada. Well, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Lightfoot. Uh, we miss you already. And uh, yeah. Anyways, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook <laughs> at Army of Smartness. <laughs> and email at Army of Smartness uh, at gmail.com. I'm not trying to make Mr. Uh, Lightfoot uh, a death seem. Uh, Insignificant. Well, light. Um, well, it's just light foot, uh, actually. You well, know, you're doing a doggone good job for not trying, Ryan. I, I just, you know, I have actually heard Mr. Lightfoot's music. It's just, uh, it's just, yeah. Uh, anyways, rest leave in peace. Room, hey, leave some room for us old folks in there, okay? Rest in peace, in peace. Um, so now on that uh, light topic, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> two times now, light foot. All right. Well, this uh, show just came get, to a screeching. We're getting halt. off on. We're getting off on the right foot or the light foot. One of the two. Oh, okay. I, I see. I've seen the light foot. in in your eyes. I hope it's uh, fire till then. <laughs> but anyways, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Army of Smartness, and of course that email is Army of Smartness at Gmail dot com. JD, how was your weekend? I hope you and friend of the show Carl are happy. I mean, seriously, big picture. I hope I hope you're having a happy life. Uh, you both, well, you predicted the pick of Bijan, Dijon Bijan, as it were, uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, and Ron, and uh, Carl said, "Oh no, they won't take him. They'll they'll take, you know, Jalen Rand." And I was like, "Okay, you know what? Kill me." With this, Carl, you jinxed me like two minutes before the pick was announced. Jalen Carter, excuse me, not Jalen Ramsey, not the cornerback for the Rams. Speaking of the Rams, your uh, your your buddy, your friend and mine, Mr. Sesson Bennett, now a proud member of the Los Angeles Rams. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, I'm glad that uh, Matt Stafford has a veteran quarterback to learn under. Um, yeah. No, you know what? It's really it's an ideal situation uh, for Stet because you know Stafford will provide him some good guidance. And let's be honest, I don't want to be morbid here, but Stafford is one bad hit away from Stetson Bennett being your starting quarterback in LA um, with his injury troubles and back and neck and head, shoulders, knees and toes, whatever he's got there. Um, so you know, it honestly couldn't have worked out much better in my estimation, for Stetson Bennett. But how about those Philadelphia, Georgia bird dogs? The Eagles stink. I don't care who plays for them. <laughs> they don't stink. They were actually in the Super Bowl this past year. I don't know if you No, they stink. Anything. They're garbage. They are garbage. Well, how's your, uh, how's your Young Way Coup jersey working out? 
Well, and I think that that's probably my penalty for uh, predicting that it's going to be B. John Robinson because B. John Robinson now has taken number seven. So I now have uh, retired jerseys of four Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that are currently on the roster? <laughs> well, two of them are currently there. And uh, I'm just going to hold off on buying any more damn jerseys because... Uh, it might be it a just, sign. I, I think the, the lesson here is wait until retirement. Uh, I think... The lesson here is get a custom jersey with your own name on it because what uh, what grown man wears another grown man's name on his back? Uh, but I do think it's bold of B. John Robinson to uh, to switch number seven. He can be ever only at best the second best running back to ever wear the number seven in Atlanta. So uh, I don't know what, what his plan is there. Uh, I don't know. There's he's uh he's got a, he got some competition. Uh, for the first, second, third, fourth, and probably through the eighth spot. Atlanta's had some pretty good running backs over the years. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but uh, on the dirt, to, Original Dirty Bird himself, Jamal Anderson. The, and there's uh, not only that, there's uh, Bad Moon Rising. There's uh, yeah. Well, he Warwick was the receiver, but yes. Well, there's Warwick Dunn. He played running there back is. as well. Work um, done as well. Uh, Michael the Burner Turner. Michael the Burner Turner. We've got yeah. uh, Devontae Freeman. Um, yep. Freebird. There was there was uh, there was one or two. So he's gonna Michael have. Vick. Yeah, Michael Vick. Let's call him that. Uh, Woody. Uh, you know, lined up and running back here and there. Um, well, that's about it. Tevin Coleman, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, Tevin's all right. And, and honestly, I felt like T.J. Duckett should have been way better than what he was. Yeah, T.J. Duckett. I came this close to mentioning him, but I, I didn't. Um, so, yeah. A lot of uh, big shoes to fill for old Dijon Bijan. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck to all on that. And uh, go to hell for taking my jersey numbers, all, all of you. And uh, so moving on to wrestling, AEW is coming to Wembley Stadium. They have had a pre-sale today, as a matter of fact, as we record the show, where they had 35,000 pre-sold tickets. Uh, there seems to be a question as to how big they will set the stadium for, however. Uh, I'm going to guess at least 30,000. Well, here's the thing. Uh, when WWE was there, they set the stadium. Uh, they announced attendance at sixty-two thousand and some change. It was probably closer to fifty. Um, I was gonna say by WWE math, that means everyone that was working concessions, everybody that was parking cars, and people crossing the street in front of the stadium. Yeah. So that's all included in that number. Now, so keep that now, in mind. Now keep in mind, Wembley Stadium has a max capacity of hovering around ninety. Um, but that's set up for tennis though right so i mean it's a much smaller uh playing circle well um so the tyson fury dillian white fight was a sellout at ninety four thousand. um okay. but that's tyson fury and mm -hmm. uh i don't know obviously they didn't need a whole lot on staging but uh they did have the walkout they had they had a they had the uh, walkway and, and that, but I don't know about, you know, fireworks and whatever, but, um, thunderbolts and lightning. Very, very frightening. Yeah. Galilea, Galilea, Galilea figure out. But anyways, um, 
So that, either way you look at that, that's still a pretty solid number for AEW. Uh, 35,000 pre-sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, their actual sale goes on Friday. Uh, How so many you, are you down for? I think they'll be safely around 55, I would think. You're going to buy 55 seats. That's a lot. No, I, I thought you were uh, suggesting. No, I mean, how, how many can I put you down for? No, how many? Oh, uh, uh, zero. Oh, all right. <laughs> You're such an A, uh, e, WWE mark, such an AEW hater over here. Well, I Not just wonder. any tickets in London. I just want to know mm-hmm. how many uh, friend of the show Carl is going to get. All of them. Because yeah, AEW is the best ticket in town and out of town. And this is pretty far out of town. Yeah. Way over on the other side of the pond. But uh mind yeah. the gap. All right, that's enough. But yeah, we'll uh we'll see how that goes. Uh on to another topic here. Hey, uh WWE apparently has brought in a new writer for Bray Wyatt, according to the DOG Road Dog Jesse James, aka Brian uh James himself. Um or Brian, well, Brian Armstrong. But Brian anyways, Armstrong, but yeah, no, we know who yeah, Brian James. But anyways. He called himself BG James over in his TNA days, so I can't fault you too much there. Yeah, um, so apparently they're expecting that the new writer is going to come in and give Bray a new direction. Um, We'll see how that goes. There was something there with, I think, his most recent run, and they just overplayed their hand. It was way too slow and and gimmicky and it, it needed it needed a fresh uh, coat a uh, fresh paint of coat as brucey would say um uh, thoughts on that yeah i mean yeah as you are well aware my favorite bray wyatt is the the uh cult leader bray wyatt from their, their original wyatt family rendition um the demon i think had just run its course and it had become like they just did not know what to do with it so, um, yeah, a new writer, I guess, is unless you're just going to scrap the idea entirely, which at this point I'll probably be in favor of, um, a new direction would be necessary. I, I would like to see them go in the direction of him actually winning some pay-per-view matches every once in a while. Um, that that would have been a good direction earlier in this run. Or maybe just have that, a good match. Well, he's had several. I, I feel like he's had good matches, just – he keeps losing in a big spot. And eventually, as we've seen with Braun Strowman and Lex Luger and Cody Rhodes, people just lose confidence in you uh, when, when you just keep losing in the big spot. It's not the 80s anymore where, where you know, that's the story. You know, in the NWA, the babyface keeps getting knocked down, knocked down, knocked down, and finally overcomes for a month until Flair gets the belt back. Um, yeah, that's not, I don't think that flies anymore. So, I, you know, I don't know what, what you want me to tell you. Well, I can tell you this. Dominic Mysterio got heat, brother. I heard uh, about that. I was watching the uh, most recent Raw this week, and Dominic literally could not could not get the words out of his mouth uh, bec- because the crowd was booing him unmercifully. So it's unlike when he can't get the words out of his mouth because he's not good at talking. Uh, he's coming to his own brother. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get back to watching this. It's something else. Um, I think Dominic is slowly becoming the best story in, in the company right now. Um, good. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm, I couldn't be happier to see that, uh, for Dominic. I know 
he's got it in his blood sa um he does he, proud he, he, proud guerrero lineage uh so but he had a uh one last match with his uh father at the uh at the raw uh and they're going to different brands so dominic is going out on his own so we'll see how that goes and current uh, right now man i'm all about it i'm on board 100 percent. how long do you think this brand split lasts three weeks maybe four well uh, if anything he'll become a free agent speaking of free agents apparently there are some on the uh raw and smackdown uh over- that's destroy the entire concept of a brand split okay uh, almost being one of them uh, but uh, Cody is on Raw, Roman is on SmackDown, so you know what that means. So that means that the assistant to the regional championship will be on Raw. Yeah. Since uh, the real titles and, and Roman Reigns will be on SmackDown. Okay, good. Well, I think they're going to book themselves. I hope I'm wrong, but I think they're going to book themselves into a corner with that. And I get why they had. I get why they had to split them up. I mean, they're two of the biggest names and come there's no doubt that USA is going to want one and Fox is going to want the other. So, um, but also, um, you can't not book Cody into a championship match. And I don't know how no, you can now. Sure. I don't know how you get him. Like if he loses again, then what? Yeah. Then, you know, you, I don't know what his severance package looks like for the WWE, but, uh, you work that out with the attorneys and then he goes and sells insurance or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He he can't lose again, but also any championship he gets not beating Roman for at the, you know, is going to feel like I said earlier, like a make good, like, like the assistant to the regional champion. Uh, you know, I have called, cult- I have care- carefully cultivated a list of people who I think can take this belt without it hurting themselves. And also, elevating the the new um world constellation championship to at least a, a respectable level right off the bat as i said last week i think a friend of the show carl will be pleased to see randy orton on that list the only other name is aj styles in my in my estimation i know you talked about seth rollins but i feel like you know no um aj styles and, and randy orton they are over enough on their own to elevate the title and they are far enough removed away from the bloodline storyline that it won't look like they just couldn't beat Roman. So I think one of those two needs to be your your first uh, assistant to the regional right. champion. I just feel like you've just described Seth Rollins. Um, but he fought Roman not that long ago, did he not? And also there's the, the whole uh, Shield thing. So I mean, he's always kind of, their legacies are intertwined in some de- to some degree or another. Yeah, but they they haven't been in a storyline in a minute, and I mean, hell, Roman has beaten everybody. He's beaten Randy. He's beaten AJ. He's beaten six or eight years ago, right? No, hadn't been that long. Hadn't been that long ago. But I mean, he's he's beaten he's beaten them all. There's not really too many people on the roster that he hasn't beaten. I'm I'm trying to think. Walter, don't you speak that? You already got your shot with Bijan. Stop it right now. Do not curse Walter with this. Gun- Walter Gunter. Gunter, whatever. Walter uh, Gunter. Well, I'm just thinking of people that Roman has not beaten. But it, it's Gunter. I'm sorry, Walter Gunter. We hardly knew ye. 
but uh, who, who also right, happen, happens to be on SmackDown. But yeah, uh, see, everything's going your way, huh? The plot thickens, but I don't think they're going to do anything with those two right now. Uh, Gunther is staring down Honky Tonk Man's record, and it appears that they're going <laughs> to make Roman at least take out one of those Bruno records. So, yeah, the second uh, run. But because uh, who's ahead of him now? Is it just Bruno? Uh, Pedro Morales. Pedro's still in there too. Okay. Yeah. How long was uh? How long was Backland? Anyway, it was a good while, but I think I don't know if it was that long. It was three years. Was I don't think. I, well, I don't think that he's beaten Hogan yet. He's he's getting close, but eighty four to eighty eight Hogan. Yeah, he um, hasn't he hasn't beaten Hogan quite yet. Okay. Um, but he's getting close, and I think he he is probably going to take out at least Pedro Morales. So we'll see. <laughs> but you know, just based on how they booked him so far, is he he he's the new Bruno. Um, but uh, anyways, so that being said, we got to get to the main event of the evening. We're of course talking about WWF Unforgiven in your house, happened April twenty sixth, nineteen ninety eight, in the heart of NWA Crockett territory, Greensboro, North Carolina at the Greensboro Coliseum, uh, which was, of course, home to Starcade. Oh, was it 86? Yeah, Starcade, Starcade 86. Uh, well, yeah, home to quite a few of them, but Starcade 86 being the one that set the record, attendance record there, which, by the way, was shattered by WWF Unforgiven in Your House. We had a uh, 21,427 in attendance, 20,268 paid. So Vince wasn't giving out too many freebies and had another 165,572 in sales and merchandise. Buddy, they made bank in North Carolina, North Kakalaki, as it Kakalaka. were. Now, JD, what else is happening in the world at this time? Buff Bagwell. Uh, bizarre number of uh, Confederate flags in, in the crowd. That that is uh, That seems high for 1998. <laughs> Yeah, I, you, I noticed. You would have thought it was a wild-eyed Southern Boys WCW show in like 1990. I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, also in the wrestling world at this time, Buff Bagwell had recently broken his neck and was paralyzed for five solid minutes in the ring due to a botched bulldog by Rick Steiner. Uh, this is actually what Buff says is his uh, initial uh, descent into painkillers and addiction. Uh, prior to that, he had not... Uh, According to him, had not really uh, experienced much with pills, uh, and also, which by the way, Buff is doing significantly better, and uh, we could not I, hear that. Certainly, I personally could not be happier for him. Um, seems to be enjoying life right now, and I don't know if we should give Diamond Dallas Page a Congressional Medal of Honor, but I wouldn't be against it. Well, I think it's the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom for the for the civilians. He's not the uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Medal of Freedom. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I think he's or you know a Kennedy Center honor or something. Uh, even though that's for the arts. Well, I guess uh, how you about say it's P- for the arts. I'll say for, for a Peabody Award from the University of York. And uh, that's that. another thing. How come we don't give out awards for the arts to anybody in the wrestling business? Mm. 
I mean, there's more of a science, I think. Well, I mean, surely you should give it to Flair or, you know, somebody. Yeah, I don't think that the Kennedy Center honors, they've got enough philandering with the with the whole Kennedy thing. Uh, they don't really need Flair added into that mix. Hey, <laughs> I'm in favor of it. Um, as a matter of fact, if Trump gets reelected, <laughs> this presidential medal of freedom to Ric Flair. <laughs> yes, well, they had to change it to, unless they're going to give it to Kurt Angle, it needs to be a presidential belt of freedom. <laughs> yeah. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm just, I'm just saying. Maybe I should uh from one WWE Hall of Famer to another. Start a change.org uh petition here. I don't think they allow Trump petition pro Trump petitions. I don't think they would listen regardless. Um, but yeah. Uh, also speaking of Flair, they're actually at this point in time. Uh, he's in litigation with WCW. Uh, Flair apparently at this point wanted to go to his kids. Uh, I believe it was a wrestling match. Yeah, Reed had a uh, a wrestling tournament. Which, if you hear Bischoff tell the story, Flair had missed so many of those over the years. Um, I think he's trying this time. Yeah, and uh, trying with this kid. Come on. So yeah, he he decided not to show up for a uh, Raw and WCW sued him um, for a breach of contract. And and, so, and Rick says he had this cleared ahead of time. Yeah. Sure, he did. Uh, I know. I said Rick said he had it cleared out. I didn't say Rick had it cleared cleared out. And I said, sure, he did. Uh, And so, Flair was apparently rumored to be showing up to this one. Uh, According to Brucey, they did talk about it. Uh, When I say Brucey, I mean Bruce Pritchard. Uh, They Mm -hmm. did talk about it, but it was nixed uh, sort of at the last minute. The idea was that Reed uh, and Flair be show up show up on the front row and they interview Reed and never talk to Rick. Um, it shows yeah, great wrestling champion. Yeah. They're going to say, which is interesting because whenever Sable comes out later tonight, uh, JR that night, JR actually makes the comments that you would think Rick Flair just showed up. Um, so a little bit of <laughs> drop a little something there, little, little Easter egg right there. So, yeah, and so anyways, there was uh, plenty of that going on. Uh, the the overall overarching storyline here is that Vince McMahon has screwed over Bret Hart once before. He's about to do the same thing to Steve Austin with his own tag team partner, Dude Love, of course. The Dude. The Dude, and of course, a.k.a. Mick Foley. Dude Love. Mr. In Your House, if you will, because bear in mind, the subtitle... This pay-per-view is Judgment Day in your house. So here we go. Mitt Foley once again coming up the biggest when it matters the least. There you go. <laughs> Undefeated and in, in your houses. Love some Mick Foley. But, Love uh, Foley. Yeah, there was... Uh, <laughs> it's funny because Vince actually comes out and mentions that he is, uh, I believe, what, Pinehurst, North Carolina? Yeah, I think uh, that was it. Yeah, uh, so he's originally from North Carolina, and uh, mm-hmm. the crowd went mild to that, and that's how you know you got heat. Nobody cares. Uh, right, you can't even get a cheap pop. No, no cheap. No mention McFoley again. No cheap pop from the North Carolina North Kakalaki crowd. The Tar Heel faithful, as it were. Yeah, and it was sort of uh, the 
the crowd at the beginning of the show really isn't there. Uh, it seems like they start piling in about halfway through the show. I noticed that. Well, they're still pre-gaming out in the parking lot. Yeah, they're so. they're just here for they're just here to see Stone Cold drop some stunners, drink some beers. Yeah, um, they they met him halfway on the drinking beer. Yeah. Well, up first we got Farouk and Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman taking on D'Lo Brown, the Nation of Domination, of course, Mark Henry and Rocky Maivia, and. Farouk surprisingly gets the pin on this one over the yeah. rock, uh, Rocky Maivia in 1307. Uh, Shamrock uh, apparently is a nursing, an, excuse me, nursing an injury at this point. So he didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, and they forced uh, sort of forced Blackman to carry the bulk of the match. Uh, what do you have any sort of time for Steve Blackman, JD? Oh, yeah, I've got all manner of time for Steve Blackman. I have uh, nanoseconds, picoseconds even. Now, I like Steve Blackman, but, you know, he just was a black hole of charisma. Like, he, he just didn't have, you know, what, what in wrestling terms they call it. He looked great. He had a cool gimmick. Maybe it's a little bit uh, behind the times in 98. But I think, you know, had this guy debuted in 88 or, you know, 92 or somewhere along that line, the martial arts expert Steve Blackman with his black pajama pants and his sticks that he twirled around would have really, really been something. I like Steve Blackman on the whole, though. I will say that. How about yourself? Yeah, I thought that there was something there. He just needed a mouthpiece and they never gave right. it to him. He um, would have been better in a stable as like the, you know, third guy, like the quiet the, enforcer type. The muscle. Yeah, the, the badass. Heavy. Yeah, um, yeah. The but I don't think of, he was ever used to his full capability in the yeah, WWF. Sort of the Mister Hughes of the, the except for the, you know like three hundred pounds lighter and, and a white yeah, guy and, and no actually, suit and no sunglasses and, and no hat. Yeah, and move around the ring. Uh, actually, Mister Hughes very underrated in the ring, but oh, I like Mr. Hughes too. I mean, he's supposed to just pop up in the most random places. He's in WCW this week. He's like on had, WWF this week. He's programs, in ECW. Who cares? Had programs with Hogan, you know, right? <laughs> but, uh, very quietly, <laughs> but, uh, Oh yeah. He sold programs with all the, all the top stars. He was out there in the stands selling the programs. I mean, he's ready to go. Yeah, and so this is the point where uh, Farouk has actually been kicked out of the Nation of Domination. So Farouk is actually uh, not, yeah, I would say probably as Farouk not playing to his strengths uh, as a babyface in this one. Uh, yeah, I'd and say so. D'Lo sort of carried the match for his side since the uh, sort. I mean, the the story here is is Rocky taking over the Nation of the Domination yeah. and. Uh, wanting no part of Farouk and um, after the hot tag uh, brought in a fresh Farouk with Rocky Rocky used the DDT for a near fall before Farouk got the pin on him using what a very unsafe looking dominator um, that, yeah it had a little spice on it it, it, it I don't the yeah, timing was off on that one but uh, Meltzer we'll, get, we'll get the timing being off when we get a little bit later with uh, the Road Warriors Oh, or Legion yes. of Doom, rather. We'll get the timing being off. Yeah. Uh, Melzer gives it a half star. I'm I'm not going to be that mean to him. I'm going to give him a star and a half. thought it was okay. I'll give it a thumbs up simply because 
I like where it is in the context of the larger story. As I was talking, as I was watching the, the pay-per-view earlier, I uh, told Abby as the nation were making their way to the rings, like, yeah, I, I miss the good mid-card stable that, like, the, the Nation of Domination was. Like, that's something, like, the Ra- Ravens flock, Nation of Domination, uh, really even the Dangerous Alliance, uh, that good, solid mid-to-upper-mid-card stable that I think we got spoiled on in the 90s, and now they don't really exist anymore or haven't for years. Maybe they're starting to come back a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed that and the power play there. Like, this is after the whole thing with The Rock getting the Intercontinental title and he given given Mark Henry and D'Lo Rolexes and, uh, and Farouk a poster of himself, right, a framed poster of The Rock. Mm-hmm. That was so great. I loved that. And The Rock uh, rocking the new oval – intercontinental champion the purple strap intercontinental championship if you look closely that was that was fun to see which is actually my favorite design of that belt um Get not necessarily the purple strap but the oval the oval ic delete your account no no if it wasn't for the most recent ic that would be the worst looking one no here's the what well, no 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 that the ic that you're talking about the classic IC, the mr perfect ic as i like to call it um that belt design was basically that was used for a lot of things though. The the oval one, it's less standardized. I don't I don't know. I like it better because of that. Because it looks like shit. That's the reason I didn't use it. No, it looked good. But uh, anyways, up next we got uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley taking on Owen yes. Hart. Yeah. So for the European title, so we have two uh, Europeans here in the Connecticut bred Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Canadian Canada's own Owen Hart. Uh, the two brawled in the aisle for the short time before the match. China was put in a cage. And I have to say this. As I was watching it, my daughter, Gwen, four years old, comes in and says, why is that lady in a cage? So like, that's not very nice. It's like, well, maybe they're trying to keep her from interfering in the match. So, oh, she's a naughty lady. <laughs> so and, we're going to risk her life. <laughs> yeah, we're going to risk her life and you know, holding her over the, ca- over the uh, ramp in, in a cage. Um, yeah, so she's a naughty lady. I was like, yeah, yeah, she's she's a naughty lady. Uh, it's just funny. Like she's when was actually leaving the room. She's like, I hope she gets out of the cage and then walks off. So she's a sweetheart, (laughs) is is my daughter. Anyway, China putting in the uh, the classic shark cage, elevated not necessarily in this case over the ring, but over the ramp. We've seen this previously. Jim Cornette famously had this done. Paul Bearer, I think, also. Uh, and did Polly dangerously get put in the shark cage at one point? The, I'm trying to remember. Uh, anyway, it seems like it, it's an it's an old angle where the um, the wild card manager, the interferer, the valet, whatever the heavy in this case uh, gets put in the shark cage so that they can't uh, interfere in the match. Um, so down below, Triple H and Owen have a solid but not a great match, according to Meltzer. While as a concurrent storyline, uh, China was playing games upstairs. First, she tried to use a nail file that dropped her in the ring. Then she tried to pull, pry the bars apart, uh, which, you know, nothing ever happened with that. Or the nail file, actually, that didn't really do anything. Um, so she pried apart the bars of the cage a little bit, but it was too high to jump out. She did crawl out, teased the big jump, hung upside down from the cage, but then nothing was really happening with that uh, while this was going on. Helmsley using a dragon sleeper as a rest hold. Which, if you've got a crick in your back, I can see that being a good rest. That'll, that'll straighten your back out, I would think, would it not? Yeah. Hart makes a comeback, gets a near fall with a German suplex, suplex and a belly-to-belly and an enziguri. 
I was like, how do you get a pile driver, uh, an injury for a near fall, but uh, but finishes off with a pile driver and elbow off the top. Uh, China is teasing, jumping out. Hart is distracted, allowing Helmsley to gain the advantage. So the whole shark cage thing didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. Uh, However, Helmsley wound up tied upside down on the ropes while China was hanging off the cage. Hart hits a DDT and puts on the sharpshooter. At this point, Jesse James lowered the cage, allowing China to escape, which also distracted Hart. This brought out Sergeant Slaughter to keep China at bay. Now, this is before or after the, the handcuff match where, where Slaughter is handcuffed to China. I think this is after that, right? I, I have no idea. It's not the point. Um, so Slaughter's out there to keep China at bay while Hart gets Helmsley pinned once again. But this time, X-Pac runs out, clocks Hart with a fire extinguisher, and then Triple H gets the pin. A solid match, you know. It's a little busy for my taste, as we've talked about before, but I'll send it a thumbs up. I enjoyed it. How about yourself? Um, yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I kind of agree with Meltzer. The finish, eh, not not my not my favorite, but I guess in the in the terms of long story, eh, long term storytelling, I think it works just fine. That's what you're looking for in your house. This is not going to be a blow off. No, you, so. This is a, you, this a setup is, pay-per-view. Yeah, this is going to take you into SummerSlam uh, or something of that nature. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it gives it two and three quarter. I, I go with that. Um, good, good match. Uh, up next, speaking of good match, this was not. This is not. Uh, which... <clears throat> Uh, let me just say this real quick. Okay, I just want to say, I'm going to admit here on, on live on tape uh, on the air here, I have half-assed a number of things in my life, um, including this podcast right now. But I have never half-assed anything the way WWF half-assed this NWA invasion angle. And what the Ryan fart knocker was this? Come on, Ryan, tell me. It, it was just, it, it was just painful because you know we, you and I have so much respect for, uh, Ricky and and uh, oh yeah, and Robert, Ricky and Robert, uh, and, uh, Jim Cornette's in on this. The original Cornette, Cornette's in. Incarnations Cornette. of the uh, the midnight, Cornette. the real in Midnight Express. Cornette, bless his heart, did everything he could. Um. It's just, you know, it'll get you in the side. And I think for, you know, as old as they are at this point and sort of towards, but they're still going today. So, you I was going to say, like, how old? I remember thinking they were ancient at the time. They have to be, were they in their 40s at this point? So, I mean, it's not that old technically, but. Yeah, but um, they, were, they were a late 90s 40. Yeah, that's like a. Right. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. Like a today's 78. Right. Uh, Which they are now, actually. Yeah, and somehow they're still they're, they might be better today than they were then. Hey, they're rocking and rolling, strutting and strolling, maybe. That's a wrestling business. All and right, so yeah, no, okay. 19, uh Robert Gibson was thirty nine years old. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And I thought he was fifty seven here. Sting's um, like sixty four. I know that time is a weird thing, man. All right, so Ricky would have been 42. I didn't realize he was older than Robert. About two years, yeah. So yeah, Robert's yeah, birthday those are, is... Those are, those are territory years. 
Right. Yeah, those are hard living years, my friend. Yeah. Um, Sting can Sting can get you. For, you know. So Sting can get you a good match once a week. No, I'm sure Ricky and Robert might be able to as well. But sure. you know, going twice a day, you know, seven days a week, three hundred days six a year. hours in between. Yeah. But yeah, know. so July nineteenth, nineteen fifty eight for Robert Gibson. So he would have been a couple months shy of turning forty. Uh and then Ricky is um September twenty first, nineteen fifty six. So he'd have been what forty, about to turn forty two. So he'd been forty one. So and that's so that's my age basically. I'm about to turn forty next month, and I would like to tell myself I don't look that old. Fatter, yes, but not that old. Well, uh, so we got the new Midnight Express, uh, which of course is Hardcore Holly yeah. and and uh, Bart Gunn. Uh, what you're gonna they, say as soon as you put the the word new in front of anything you've freaking killed it and uh of course they're taking on our our leaders here of uh, ricky morton and uh robert gibson of the rock and roll express midnight express gets the win at 720 to retain the tag titles um you know r&r gets gets that good uh pop uh whenever they first enter the ring and they they get some chance going and Ricky bless his heart's doing everything he can to get the get the crowd going. The crowd's just sort of dead uh, this early in the show. It was um, you just didn't get the reaction that probably you would expect at, at the Coliseum, Greensboro Coliseum, because mm-hmm. uh, this is rock and roll territory. Uh, Jim, very much. So, I, yeah. I don't. I'm wondering if Jim just sort of went off script here and did it and did something to get some heat on the on this match challenging tim white to a fight because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense um you know jim Cornette gets into the ring and is like i'll take you on and it's got this weird fighting stance doesn't really work out and jim uh, apparently tim white uh untucks his shirt so you you know that's basically like lawler bringing the strap down Uh, straps down baby yeah strap down so are you brother and uh and so this is, uh, it's, yeah, it's just not good. Um, the, it's, it's not, it's not fair to either one of these tag teams really to, to certainly not fair to flair. They did the double drop kick on Bart, but Cornette ran in for the save and ended up dropping an elbow on Bart Gibson then had Bart pinned and with a roll in reverse cradle, but Holly delivered a bulldog on Gibson and put Bart on top for the pin. Uh, Meltzer gave it a star. I think he's being generous. Um, dud, dud for me. And that, that really hurts to say that, but yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, the, the WF half-assed this whole thing. And just to show you how fickle time is and what, you know, for just for perspective, um, I mentioned that the Robert, that Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton are 39 and 41 here, respectively. Dolph Ziggler is 42 years of age as we sit here right now. And doing his best work. <laughs> and is, yeah, has not lost a step in the past 15 years. And the funny thing is, we think about, oh, yeah, these are old washed up guys. But their heyday had just ended, what, 10 years prior? Maybe? Uh, from 88 to 98? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, Dolph Ziggler was in the prime of his career 10 years ago. He still is now. But I, It's crazy how time 
our perception of, of time has changed with better, um, you know, better nutrition, better, better exercise, sleep, um, you know, only banging three girls a night as opposed to six or eight. Um, yeah, it, it's amazing how much that takes the years uh, off of you, the, the lifestyle of these territory guys, the Rock and Roll Express, no exception, that the, these territory guys were living. So fascinating to me. How, you know, I would not think of Dolph Ziggler as old, and not just because we're fairly close in age, but looking at him wrestling, he doesn't look like an old wrestler. These two look like old wrestlers 25 years ago. Speaking of fascinating, up next we got Sable. This was certainly fascinating to uh, one Jerry the King Lawler because he wouldn't shut up about it during the previous match. That also didn't help, in my estimation, if, if the commentary team is not even paying attention to the match in the ring. Uh, but having a conniption fit for the first ever evening gown match, uh, this one featuring Sable and Luna Vachon. Uh, and why did I even bother to time this? I don't know. Two minutes and 35 seconds that we'll never get back. Uh, Sable gets a huge pop uh, coming out of the entryway here, causing Jim Ross to explain, you'd think Ric Flair walked out. Of course, that's a reference to being here in Greensboro, North Carolina. And also, uh, Ryan, if you want to grace us a little bit of the backstory as to what uh, exactly old good old JR was getting at there. Well, as we stated earlier, Ric Flair's in the um, midst of a lawsuit with WCW. Uh, he was trying to negotiate his buyout uh, so he can leave WCW. Doesn't seem to be working at this point, and spoiler alert, it doesn't. Um, however, Ric Flair is uh, <laughs> not one to necessarily follow what anybody tells him to do. Yeah. Um, bless his heart. And, uh, well, God bless him. He, uh, there was discussions with Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon of Rick showing up on the first row along with Reed, his son. And uh, they were going to do an interview with Reed Flair and not interview Rick, but it's, uh, I mean, Rick, if Rick Flair sit in front row, you notice. Um, he draws the eye that way. Yeah. And uh, so rumor and innuendo is that Rick Flair was literally riding around the arena that night. Um, mm -hmm. which, you know, he lives in Charlotte. So at this not point, far. uh, so not far, not, uh, and, and let's face it, they're in flair country and there was actually some flair chants going on, uh, mm -hmm. that night. So, um, yeah, I, I just felt like, uh, it was, uh, that would have been, um, uh, let's postulate a little bit here. All right, let's do that. It's better to talk about this match. Go ahead. By the way, uh, uh, Luna wins in 235. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to get back to that. But anyways, um, what if, what mm. if mm -hmm. Ric Flair would have shown up as they talked about? What if? Now, you're, you're, you're postulating that he is just showing up in the crowd, not participating in any uh, any active way. Yeah. He's already being sued for breach of contract. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, double now, nothing, now, now they would just presumably add WWE to it, right? Right. Yeah. Or yeah. WWF is himself added. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I would think, yeah, they would. There's be no way that they could party bring. Party to do what? There's no way that they could bring Rick back after that. 
Right. That's really good. As long as he wasn't actively involved, if you, you just see him in the crowd and it goes off as planned with an interview of Reed. At best, you can. At best, they would pay him to stay home. Right. Yeah, I mean, they would certainly pay, they certainly wouldn't let him out of his contract because then he'd just go straight to WWF. Um, so yeah, they might pay him to stay home. Um, they might bring him out on on TV and job him out even more. I mean, bear in mind they did leave him for dead in the desert, literally. Uh, at one, well, one point in WCW, so that might have come a few years earlier, maybe. Um, but you know, I think he would have been off TV for a while yet. When did the horsemen get back together? And uh, is that also in Greensboro? I, I, I don't know what town that was, it was later on, it was in the same region, if not one, it was one Carolina or the other. Um, and that would have been in the summer of '98, so a little bit after this. Yeah, well, that right? it's fun to think about. Um, I remember. You know, we talk, we're talking about, you know, this is the age of Lex Luger showing up on WCW. This is the age of Rick Rude. Uh, Razor Ramon on, showing up on at WCW. Rick Rude being on Nitro and Raw the same night. And this is the age of Ric Flair saying to hell with WCW showing up on WWF. It's yeah. that, 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 that would be fun. People would the still be talking about it bottles. today. People well, would still even be without him showing up. Uh, people were talking to it, talking about it today. Exhibit A. Yeah, here we are. But anyways, back to Sable. Um, <laughs> yeah, Meltzer, so Meltzer is no, not very kind to Sable. Meltzer's a bit of a mean girl to uh, say. Hey. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not a Sable fan, as has been well documented here on the program. Um, at 15 years old, yeah, I was probably a bit, bit more of a Sable fan than I am now at uh, the tender age of about to be 40. Um, but, yeah, I just – I feel like Meltzer goes out of his way to be mean to Sable. For example, um, without the ridiculous boob job, Sable has a phenomenal body for her age. Let's look up how old she was then. Um, but, I, you know, we'll get to that in a second. But he says um, she looks just like another aging low-rent stripper. Another. How many is 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 he around, generally but speaking? Through the magic Bear of mind, being on a high-profile te- television show, she is a star. Yeah, she has a great body for her age. Bear in mind, that age is 30. I have seen Sable 30. recently. I have seen Sable recently. She still looks good. Well, now that is through the magic of uh, modern medicine, I'm sure. As was a lot of this, to, to Dave's point. But for her age, her age is effing 30. At this point, how old is Meltzer at this point? (laughs) I don't know. Let's look up Dave. He's got to be like older. He's older than her. Got to be. Meltzer. I know he is. He's like 70 now, isn't he? This does not age well. 63. Okay. So he's eight years older than Sable is. So he's been 38 while she's 30. Let me tell you, as a recently 38 year old, there are some some damn good looking 30 year olds. Around here, so right. you know what the hell, and they are youngins, right? But yeah, man, so, I'm, I'm all I'm all about it. I, of course, you know I'm. You're all about thirty year old. I'm all about Sable at this at this point. You know, this is eleven year old Ryan looking at this. Oh yeah, he's he's all yeah. About I mean, it. about to be fifteen year old JD is a uh, you know I'm I, like I said much bigger fan at that time of Sable. Then I would be now. I'll put it to you this way: I ain't changing the channel. Well, and, just, and I will fight somebody that tries to. 
And well, uh, you, you might have your hands full, but don't. Couple hands. Um, so eh, easy, easy tiger. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that match happened, and so uh, Gold Dust is out here uh, trying to keep people from seeing Luna. It's a whole thing, uh, given the illusion uh, that she that Luna is naked underneath her her uh, her evening gown. She's not. But Goldust puts his robe on her and escorts her out. So um, we got full a full moon of, of Sable diving under the ring, chasing uh, Luna. I'll, I'll give you that. That part was all right. It was all right. Uh, that part might get a thumb up. Uh, might get something else up. But uh, overall, I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Hey, five stars all the way, baby. There you go. Five stars. That's well, that, that's worldwide average, right? Five stars? Five, mm. five, five and a half stars? That's a, that's match a of the, match average. Of, nothing nothing match to be of ashamed night. of with five stars. Match of the night. I certainly did not change the channel and did not look away. Um, but yeah, anyways, God bless you, Sable. And you have a very, scary, you have a very scary husband. So, um, oh, I yeah. thought you, for a second, I thought you were talking about Luna. She's got a scary husband. Dracula, you fat bastard. <laughs> no, I ain't scared of Gangrel. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work that in, though. I just had to work that in. No, I, I, I think... you, Dracula, you bat bastard. <laughs> How about you get on the scale? <laughs> See what you weigh. All right. All Bodacious right, so... Bob, indeed. Up next or Bombastic the... Bob, whatever the fuck. Up next is... Uh... Uh, God. New Age Outlaws versus LOD. Or was he going to gloss over Vince coming out and regaling us with his? Well, I mean, we did, we did mention Pinehurst. We did mention, we did mention he, earlier. Yeah, that's fine. So, uh, yeah, he built up, you know, saying that he hoped Stone Cold would not screw Stone Cold. Obviously, really playing up on the uh, Montreal screw job. Uh, we have mentioned the Montreal screw job in our previous episodes. So check that out. Um, I think everyone, and, and is, it, even if it, you don't have well, a podcast, you've done a podcast the, with Montreal Screwjob. Well, the, the thing about it is, is that it, you know, you get into that and you start talking about it. It's like, damn, everybody's talking about it. But then you start looking at it again and you're just like, God, every time I look at this, there's like another layer. Oh, no, and, yeah. And, and it's, it's a gift that keeps on giving. It's, it's just, uh, I mean, I could do another one on it, <laughs> you know? Okay, let's go right now. You want to start right now? All right. Let's talk. I mean, we could do we could do a show just on the signs that were out in the crowd that night. Good God! <laughs> well, almighty. hell, we do on this one. Why are there still so many Confederate flags? I'm confused. 1998 North Kekalaki. Oh my God! 1998, not 1968. Oh man, it didn't matter. It was still on the flag then. Probably, I don't know. I they never seen, had it on theirs. They I haven't seen a North theirs. Carolina flag. I don't know. No, theirs looks like uh, Texas, but with a like a crest instead of the star. Well, maybe one day we'll have an episode called Fun with Flags with JD. <laughs> All right. That's a, uh, that's a reference to uh, Big Bang Theory, just in case anybody doesn't know. I, yeah, I didn't know that at all. But uh, anyways, up next, we got the New Age Outlaws taking on LOD 2000. Uh, the only thing worse than the wrestling in this was the officiating. Um. It, it just it. So the outlaws claim that they're gonna be escorted to the room, uh, esc escorted to the ring by Dean Smith, who is a legendary local basketball coach at North Carolina. Yeah, uh, University of North Carolina would be the yeah. local school, which, which is local. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fine. And uh it was gonna be well, in their Duke corner. Myself, but yeah. Came up with a came with a blow up doll that they called Dean Smith. And Lord knows what they did to it. Um the crowd went mild. Um yeah, okay, so let's put things in perspective. LOD, the Road Road Warriors or the Royd Warriors. The Royd Warriors, there you go. Um they were not really ever known for their technical prowess. Uh, there's yeah. this no it's there matter of fact they hurt a lot of people mm-hmm. but they look cool <laughs> they had a great entrance and i'm telling you they had the best finisher of any tag team they were over, even, though, brother. even though it legitimately paralyzed people uh mm-hmm. or hey that's uh, you gotta be gotta yeah. have some legitimacy there pal and anyways uh didn't really get the heat that you think uh melser calls it a typical lod match uh, animal obviously the better of the two in the ring uh at this point uh hawk is uh, i don't know if he's still struggling with addiction at this point but he's just not now not um not where he was in his prime and tease the doomsday device on the road dog which is of course their finisher um billy gun clips animal from behind um they try to tell a story on Animal's knee, but the timing on them is just so bad. It's bad. Yeah, it does not look good. Especially Billy Gunn and and, and Animal. Hawk. Oh, I thought his Animal was trying to get him up, and it was just bad. It took well, two or three I, times I mean, to try. Neither one of them were good. Right. But, uh, yeah, it just... Anyways, I finished saw Hawk deliver a German suplex to Road Dog, but referee Jack Dolan only looked at Hawk's shoulders while counting three. Not seeing dog shoulders also on the mat. Um, obviously, myself and everybody that's in the crowd sees that Hawk is actually breached up and Road Dog's shoulders are flat on the mat. Um, any other match, this is a win for LOD. Somehow the officiating says that no, uh, Road Dog gets the cover on that. So it's a boxed finish. Um, it has to be. Uh, otherwise it's you know jr and the king just saying oh crappy officiating and so i don't know if they actually plan to do a doomsday device on referee dome or Mm -hmm. they legitimately just got pissed off because he made him look bad Uh, that's probably what happened (laughs) and Meltzer says he Dome takes probably the best bump in the show, and I, I have to agree. <laughs> Boy, he got he got a he did a full three sixty on that flip off the, coming off his shoulders. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, Melzer gets at three quarters of a star. I think it's negative five. I think it's awful. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. It's one of the worst new age outlaw matches i've ever seen and and, and, and if i'm and if i'm rock and roll and Spre- express i am so happy that this match came on after hours. right was like at least, at least we could execute some things and this one this one was just uh, just bad hell they still can yeah and and uh by the way jd what's uh what's your favorite sawyer brown song this one they did here uh with jeff jarrett you can drive me crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I muted it and left the room, so I, I don't know what happened. Um, but I will I'll read about it uh, with, with feeling. Uh, Double J, Jeff Derrick, still in his, um, you know, 
nudie suit style, you know, country singing uh, gimmick comes up and sings with uh, Tom Sawyer. Um, and that happened. And then Steve Blackman tried to save the entire audience to run out and attack, uh, attack Jeff Jarrett, trying, you know, take one for the team here. Uh, Tennessee Lee clocks Blackman with a guitar from behind. Jarrett then puts Blackman in the figure four while the crowd loudly start chanting, We want flair. Yeah. So we're taking right back to 1991 WCW. And, and, you know, whenever I'm listening to Sawyer Brown, well, I, I'm thinking to myself, and say, you know what would really put this over right now? Steve Blackman. When I'm <laughs> listening to Sawyer Brown, I'm thinking, who, who the hell am I listening to? What is this? Uh, I, I'll have to say my favorite Sawyer Brown song is The Race is On. Race is on. Here it comes crying in the backseat. Artix moving to the inside. Is that the um that's the speed racer theme song, yeah. right? Uh yeah, okay. sure. Yeah, sure. That's what I thought. Um yeah, so as, uh, yeah. as, as so as so proudly as so we proudly have. uh sang on uh what was that, Lawnmower Man, I think. Was it Lawnmower Man? I remember the movie Lawnmower Man. Yeah, but, I had a uh, had a slow individual singing the speed racer song about mowing the mowing the Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I wasn't. I thought you thought Sawyer Brown was a slow individual. Um, <laughs> no. Well, you know, uh, for for years I thought Sawyer Brown was the person was Mark Miller, um, but Mark. Miller's I still don't just, know that he's not. No, he's the lead singer of the band known as Sawyer Brown. Well, it's certainly banned at my house. Yeah. All right, moving on. As just put a bow on this. I say this every time there's a, a concert at a wrestling show, and I'll say it again here. There's never been a concert at a wrestling show when I've said, man, I'm really glad that happened to me. Um, speaking of people not being glad that things happened to them, we have Undertaker and Kane in an Inferno match. So if if uh, if Sawyer Johnson didn't burn the house down, then these two certainly will. Um, this is one of those bizarre imports from Japan, much like Speed Racer. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, basically, they surround the ring with you know, hibachi grills, and I guess they somehow – do they time it? Because every time there's a slam, they they turn the gas up and the flames get higher. I, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> well, this, as Meltzer writes, this was not the first ring surrounded by fire match. It's been done pr previously in both Puerto Rico and Japan. It differed from the previous ones in that they put cloth on the ropes and used gasoline to start the flames, making those matches considerably more dangerous. So, yeah, this is like a burner thing underneath the bottom rope surrounding the ring. So it's not like the ropes themselves are on fire. Uh, but this was held in an indoor building, and the special effects in those matches was primitive in comparison. Yeah, but, okay, so those Inferno ahead, matches please. that happen in Puerto Rico and the ones that happen in Japan, they are absolute garbage. Like, mm -hmm. they spend 98% of the match putting one guy in a headlock and trying to take him to the freaking fire. Like yeah, it's 90% of the match or 98% of the match. It's 98% of the match. The remaining 2% is panicking when the ring inevitably catches on fire and the sheik almost burns to death live in front of everybody. It's, it's just, I don't understand. You know, Meltzer's going to sit there and, and talk about how great those matches. I have never seen one over the, this, no, they're all this, crap. This, this one is, was oh, no. This one was light years better than any of that crap they have over there. And it still sucked. Yeah, this, <laughs> it's still, this, not, still not that great. No, it's just don't mess around with fire. Just don't. I don't need it. No one needs this. 
Yeah, and it's it turns out fire it, fire is hot. Well, as as um Could not have was been talking about well, as Cornette was talking about one of his, I think it was AEW recently, you know, the furniture doesn't know how to work. Well, fire don't know how to work, baby. I mean, like this is a bad idea, and to me, it, it adds nothing. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not for it. I, I would go so far as to say I was against it. Um, yeah, eventually, yeah, they catch Kane on fire. That's how it ends, the end. Uh, it's so bad. Like, and these are two big guys. There's not a lot of room in the ring where they're not in danger of just catching on fire. Um, Undertaker eventually kicks Kane, Kane to the flames. Then he ran, he being Kane, ran to the back so they could, you know, put fire extinguishers on him. Uh, kind of an ECW style, and there was a lot of bad wrestling, but well set up, big spots in the match, gave things to make the match more memorable. This got two and three quarters stars from David Aloysius Meltzer. How? No, no stars, no thumbs. No, nothing. Get out of here before your freaking eyebrows melt off. The end. Yeah, I, I just, I think it's, I, I will say that the dive over the fire, that was a cool looking spot. It's a cool visual. But forget, I mean... forget, forgive the pun, but it was a cool looking spot. Um, I, I just, I'll, I'll say this. It was as good as any Inferno match could be. And it's just not good. And, Which is to say, not very good. And uh, the thing is, like, you know, when Kane's out to the outside, you can see the team is trying to put the sleeve on him. Yeah. It's, and, and uh, thank God, because I don't want the man to die. But uh, I just, I can't imagine this being enjoyable for the fans. I can't imagine it being enjoyable for the commentators and definitely not enjoyable for the competitors here. You know, by the way, where the hell is Vader? <laughs> yeah, just coming out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. He, Vader just shows up. So he didn't have any. He thought they were going to do uh, s'mores because he saw the fire. And so, yeah, crazy. Oh, it's time for s'mores. It's s'mores time. <laughs> Trying to bust that line out. You know, I'll say this about Vader's, Vader's theme song. As far as like all the ones that. Um, Jeff Johnson has created. That's probably that, that's my one, favorite Sawyer Brown song. It's probably the one uh Vader's themes, probably the one that fits him the best or fits like any wrestler the best. I don't know. The Ultimate Warrior. That's pretty high up there. I mean, just the I mean that that is just steroids and cocaine combined. Yeah, anyways, I got a lot of time for uh, Vader's theme. We need to uh we need to have an episode on on theme songs. Sure. Uh, let's do it right now. Matter of fact, let's do one next week. All right, next week, theme songs. That's yeah. just it. That's all we're gonna say about it. Tune yeah, in and see what happens. Yeah, we just shoot the shit on theme songs. Really just uh, about it's a Sawyer Brown centric episode, basically. Well, anyways, we got the main main event of the evening calling on mr dudish lovish taking on mr steve austin in a who's gonna screw stone cold match um i'll be honest with you for a match that goes to a screwed up finish that was Mm -hmm. supposed to be screwed um Mm -hmm. i enjoyed the hell out of this match 
I was fine. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. It, and it's it, uh, it had a lot going on for it, but I think that they managed it quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so Dude Love uh, wins by DQ. Uh, so Austin retained the title in 1852. Uh, and of course, it, it, it ends up being a, a Foley spot fest. Uh, sure. Gosh, I, I'm still the, to this day amazed that he is has he can still move somewhat today um yeah he's in incredible shape for all the crap he's been through and i don't mean like the rock and roll express style and and don't get me wrong i mean mick foley's in bad shape but Mm -hmm. he he should be paralyzed but no above Uh, ground is doing very well for him these days and uh you know actually uh flair goes uh he went on uh, joe rogan's show uh this past week Oh, uh, news radio? No, his actual show that oh. uh, people watched. Um, Man show. No, the one that people watched. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Fear Factor. Got it. Go ahead. We can keep Joe, going. I know more Joe Rogan shows. We keep going, baby. No, the one they watched. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there is one of those. Ah, I called you out on that. But uh, no, the Joe Rogan experience, which if you haven't listened, I, I mean, I'm not going to put over the Joe Rogan experience. It's literally the most listened to podcast in the world. But anyways, um... I, I listen to it occasionally. It depends on the guest. I'll, I'll, if I if I if there's an interesting guest, and I've got six or seven hours to kill. I will listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Well, he had flair on this past week. Uh, yeah, no, that, I, that does sound like something I need to listen to. And so he, uh, Rogan's. I guess executive producer who's also in the room with him is, is a Jamie? big is a big wrestling fan. Is his name DMT? It's, it's well, something. I don't know. They they like DMT over there. I know that much. But he's a he and was huge. He also Undertaker did a show with him as well. That's also pretty good. Um, but but they they they're talking about Foley, and uh, Rogan was just like, I can't believe that you know. Um, yeah, Mick Foley's still able to walk around. He walks, he moves around really good. And Flair just stops. He's like, Oh, trust me. He doesn't move around that great. He's like, he lets you see, you know, mm. what, where he wants you to see him. He said, but if you notice all the shows that he does, they don't show him walking into the room. They don't show him getting up. And he's like, and I know how I get up in the morning. It sucks him. I he, he said I can't even imagine. It, it's yeah. It, he's got he's he said I it's I know it's got to take him thirty forty five minutes to get up. Um. So I mean this you know when people he's tell me time. when pe- well it's just when people tell me that you know this is fake or that is fake. No, it ain't fake, man. It ain't fake. The bumps are real. <laughs> the bumps are real. And and the like money uh, in the miles, baby. The money in the miles, just like old. Um manager yeah him yeah he's Um, a good yeah that guy he's a good one that's gonna kill me um captain lou Mm -hmm. uh albano said but so anyways back to this uh you know again it's this fully spot fest he shut he's selling some great clotheslines uh getting some hella bumps and uh i think that steve austin and foley's uh, uh, styles match up so well because they're both brawlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's almost like we're watching a modern day uh, Terry Funk versus 
know, catch Jack match. Uh, this is, this is a, uh, uh, I would say that Steve Austin probably after his injury, uh, probably meshed the styles of Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk. Um, even though Terry yeah. Funk will take some hellacious spots, but uh, Jerry Lawler ain't taking no spots like that. He's just going to beat the hell out of you. The selling of Jerry, Jerry Lawler, basically Jerry Lawler on selling and Terry Funk on offense. Yeah, there were some uh, points here where uh, the McMahon is calling for Mark Eaton to ring the bell. However, Steve Austin had told Mark Eaton previously in the night uh, if he sees him pull another, pull another, well, I think what he called it a BS, like he, uh, like he did with uh, Bret Hart. They never right. actually mentioned Bret Hart's name, right? But they said like you, yeah, Owens brother, did it, like you did at Survivor Series. He's like, there's gonna be, there's gonna be hell to pay. So Mark Eaton is not ringing the bell because yeah. he's been threatened with death, and uh, and the, you know theoretically afraid of Austin. So uh, uh, whenever, and that's whenever uh, dude has him in some uh, submissions. They are the playing, They are playing so much onto the uh, the Montreal screw job here, but it it works out so. Oh, and that great. will continue the rest of the year. I mean, oh yeah, the Rock it, it, win the championship at Survivor Series in an homage to yeah. the previous year's Survivor Series, and it 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 works so so well. Um, but uh, anyways, Austin backdrop dude over the top rope, and while on the floor, Austin swung a chair at both dude and McMahon, with McMahon taking a hard shot. Um. Austin didn't really pull any punches and didn't pull any chair shots. He's going to hit the hell out of you. Um, mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, I think Bruce said that uh, whenever uh, McMahon was talking to him, talking to Austin about this chair shot, Austin asked him and said, you know, do you, how, how do you want me to hit him? He said, you hit me like you do anybody else. Okay. okay. <laughs> so so Austin literally, literally tees off on <laughs> McMahon and, uh, and you know Austin gets away somehow from that from the dreaded sweet shin music. That's and, right, uh, baby. <laughs> oh, proto Orange Cassidy. And uh, he hits uh, hits a stunner, no ref around, and counted one, two, three for himself. Even though there was no ref, uh, Austin's music played, and uh, <laughs> they was apparently had to talk with the music guy beforehand too. Yeah, uh, the music guy can take a hint, and. Uh, they 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 did really sell the whole uh, <laughs> loading McMahon onto the stretcher here, uh, but to be fair, McMahon may have been unconscious for he some. He might of have that. actually been unconscious. Uh, yeah. so, I'm not. I'm not even sure he pooped himself. It's just, uh, I, you know, whenever I, I just hear that conversation going on between Steve and and Vince, you know. Just hit me like you do anyone else, and then like a narrator, oh. on, like like Morgan Freeman is like, Vince would live to regret that. Right. <laughs> Actually, Vince would not live. <laughs> yeah, at so, least Vince lived. Let's put it that way. But uh, anyways, uh, but the announcement was made as to the finish, and Austin was disqualified. So, dude, is your winner? Meltzer gives it four stars. Yeah, brother, 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 I'm. I, I'm not going to give it five, but it's, I'm going to give it four and a half, brother. It was there good. You know. I liked it. Uh, yeah, it, it was a spectacle in, in one of the best ways. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I've criticized other matches for being too busy. 
and this was busy, but it all made sense in context. If that if, if that makes any sense. Um, so yeah, no, I, I liked it. I had a good good time here. Um, and if you're gonna have spectacle like this and gonna have busyness like this, save it for the main event. Make it mean something. And they did that here um, for a, a quote unquote placeholder pay per view. That this was a fit, very fitting uh, main event. So hats off to the dude. The Cold Stone to Mr. McMahon and the, the Stooges flanking him, I notice here. So, you know, yeah, good, good time by all. Yeah. Um, overall, the uh, what do you think, JD? Thumbs up, thumbs down, mm -hmm. thumbs in the middle. Yeah. I mean, the, the main event goes a long way here uh, in, in selling it for me. Um, I would say I enjoyed the. Um, Triple H match, okay. I enjoyed the uh, the opener. It was fine for a six man, but I like it furthered the storyline, which is what you needed to do here. So I'm going to call it a thumbs up based on those. We had some stinkers, some real poop sandwiches in the middle here. Uh, but besides those three matches, but um, you know, what do you want for fifteen bucks or whatever it was at the time? Well, clearly match of the night was the uh, bra and panties match, the evening gown match. Um, solid second's going to be uh, Dude and old Steve. Yeah, the match of the night sponsored by Jerkins Lotion. Um, it's, excuse me, it's Jerkins. No, no, it's Jerkins. No, it's Jerkins. I'm pretty sure. What are you, wait, I'm what just, are you doing with this? Hang on. I, I think the science pretty much backs me up on this. It's Jerkins Lotion. Well, then. Uh, this this episode has been sponsored by Durkin's. <laughs> hey. Durkin's, you know what you're doing with it. <laughs> Durkin's, don't you look at me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Durkin's, your dog will tilt his head. <laughs> Durkin's, what are you doing in there for an hour? Oh, do not come in here without knocking. Jerkin solution. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna let that go. I'm just gonna let it go. Get right ahead. That, that's <clears throat> so. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, I'll give it three out of five. If it yeah, wasn't yeah, for yeah. the right. shitty um, tag matches, I'd be all about this. all the stuff in the middle. Um, yeah. yeah. It started okay. It ended very well, and then. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of crap in the middle. Like many a marriage. Hey, right. there you go. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for following along with us this far. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Army of Smartness. And, of course, Army of Smartness at gmail.com. Let's see those comments, nasty comments, whatever comments, as long as you comment. Of course, give us that five-star review. Give us a five-star review. You will get a shout-out up here. And if you want to uh, suggest something for our uh, future episodes, let us know. Uh, of course, we have just uh, organically decided to talk about theme songs in our next one. Definitely uh, send your favorite theme songs in here. Yeah, send your, fav send your favorite theme songs in here. Breeze we'll, Company, The Jeffersons, uh, Full House, whatever you got, send it to us. Yeah, give us your top five. Don't give me you know, fucking the playlist but anyway give ryan a playlist just give me like you know bullet points yeah 
but anyways, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we have actually saw a huge increase in our leadership, in our, in our leadership, in our, uh, in our leadership. Yes. Well, well led and, you to probably, you know, uh, in our viewership, uh, we've got more people listening to us this past week than we have any at any point in the show. I don't know why, but Hey, <laughs> we, I have we, a theory about that. We'll discuss off air. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see about it. But anyways, thank you guys so much. And, uh, JD, do you have anything else to add? No. Me neither. I do.